Thank you. Merry Christmas. I am going to start by reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. All right? Luke chapter 2. This is the word of God. It's the word of life. It's a word that brings us freedom. So let's listen to it together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That's a lot of people to count. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to him to be married and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You know, we read this story every Christmas, and there's so many crazy details in here that we just gloss right over. Like the fact that he's going with Mary, who's engaged to him, and she's pregnant. (laughs) And then it says she gives birth to her son. Hmm. (laughs) Not his. And she puts him in a manger, a feeding trough. None of this is normal. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, because you don't see angels every day of the week. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Not just for other people, but to you, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I wondered if they thought the shepherds were crazy. You know, like sometimes we use words like amazed and it means like, ah, really? <laughs> but Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which they had just been told about. The angels told the shepherds that the birth of a child was good news of great joy for all people. Why is this message such great joy? Why is the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the promised one, Messiah, the Lord, why is it such great news that over 2,000 years later we still celebrate it? 
that we decorate our houses and our streets with lights, that we give presents to one another, and, and that we gather with family that may or may not stress us out. But every year we have hope it's going to go better. You know, why do we go to strangers' houses and serenade them with carols? Do you realize how strange that is? And yet once a year we have so much joy, it's not strange. Even in the bleakest moments of history, the birth of Jesus Christ brings joy. That's just unexplainable. Like during World War I and Christmas Day, German troops in the trenches started shouting, Merry Christmas, Englishmen! And the English and French troops started shouting it back. And they started slowly to come out of the trenches. And this unofficial truce in the middle of World War One just broke out. Where troops were in no man's land. And they were exchanging gifts with one another. They exchanged food and drink and tobacco and souvenirs. Especially like buttons and hats from each other's uniforms. The British had clippers so they gave haircuts to the Germans. It's just incredible. They had, um, they did prisoner exchanges. They did joint burial ceremonies. And they played soccer, which they wrongly call football. <laughs> but all of that, I mean, but all of this, I mean, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Why does the birth of Jesus Christ inspire that kind of joy and peace? And why do some years we completely miss it? The birth of Jesus Christ brings such great joy because it proves that even though we've made a mess of this world, like during World War I or during today, that even though we've made a mess of this world, God is good god is mighty and god is with us that's the good news of jesus that god is good god is mighty and god is with us and often we miss the extravagant goodness of god because we only see through like the brokenness of this world but the world was not always broken it was not always riddled with death and disease and chaos and violence. And if we look, we can see the goodness of God all over this earth. In the perfect world, he created it. You know, we see it in creation, in the vastness of the sky, in the blueness of the sea, and in the quiet of the mountains. And in the colorful and creativity and all the plants and animals. And the wonder of sound and light and song and dance and, and in the miracle of birth and, and families and how we know they're supposed to be. We can see the good fingerprints of God underlying everything in this world. And the miracle of Christmas is that even though we have broken it, <laughs> God is still with us. He's still with us. The creator of the universe steps into our mess. That's the miracle and joy of Christmas. That the son of God, he left his glory in heaven and he wrapped human flesh 
on him and he came to us. And not like an angry, annoyed mom stepping into a messy kid's room. (laughs) You know, he didn't come to condemn us and point out everything we've done wrong. No, he came humbly. Like as a baby in the most humble birth imaginable. So he could learn the human experience and relate to us and help us and then pave the way for God the Holy Spirit to come live in us so that we're never alone and we're empowered by the goodness of and wisdom of God. That is the miracle. That is the joy of Christmas, that the creator of the universe came to have a relationship with you. Dr. Timothy Keller He said this, a person who is so great that they can't get down on their hands and knees and play with a child isn't really a great person after all. Our God is so great that he did get down on his hands and knees to be with us, to play with us, to love on us, and to rescue us. And yet, so often we miss that joy. And we miss it for many reasons. You know, for example, if you think, and I think we've all probably thought this at one point or another in our lives, if you think that you are perfectly capable of controlling the outcome of your life, and you can handle, you are smart enough to prepare For everything life throws at you. And you are good enough to handle it and still be a kind and generous person and not get jaded and not get hard-hearted. You know, if, if you are that kind of person, then you don't really need a savior. And there is nothing I can say today that's going to convince you that this is great joy. Good news of great joy. But when you come to the end of yourself, And when all your intelligence and financial planning and your job, your network, friends and family fails you, and even you fail yourself, remember Christmas. Because even though we forget about God, he never forgets about us. Sometimes we miss the joy of Christmas because during the holidays we feel pain of lost and broken relationships. We sometimes feel those losses most keenly in the holidays. Sometimes we miss the joy of Christmas because we just keep ourselves so busy and tired we can't feel deep joy. We miss it sometimes because there's this 24-hour news cycle that just preys on our fears and bombards us with every negative headline because negative headlines generate the most revenue. And because we live in an economic system dependent on convincing you to be discontent and just continually gives you ads that tell you you are not enough or you do not have enough. Sometimes we miss the joy of Christmas 
Because even though we once accepted Jesus Christ with great joy, we've drifted away from him. And we've let it become old news to us. The great theologian Karl Barth, he wrote about how the triune God radiates joy. How at the center of God is just life-giving joy, like this fountain. And I've talked to you about this and how the triune God is love, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit exist as one perfect love relationship. They are like a family that's just totally delighted with one another. In the Trinity, between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there there is no disappointment. Like, why couldn't you have done that better? You know? There's no shame. There's no hidden secrets among them. There's no elephants in the room that nobody talks about. You know? And, and the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they just delight in one another. And we see them in Scripture. And they, they praise and brag on one another all the time. And they're so proud of one another. And they listen and respect and serve one another. God in his essence is love. And he just exudes joy and delight. And if you want that kind of joy and delight, you got to get close to him. My favorite author, C.S. Lewis, he wrote this. As you probably know, Good things, as well as bad, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you have to stand by the fire. If you want to get wet, you have to get in the water, right? Yeah. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you have to get close or even into the thing that has them. They are not some sort of prize that God could, if he wanted, just give out to whoever. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting out from the very center of God. Joy, power, peace, eternal life. If you are close to God, the spray will wet you. But if you are not, you'll remain dry. Philippians 4 tells us how to draw near to God and get wet with his joy. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. You see, he's near to you. You just got to open your eyes and see it. And we see it by rejoicing. Sometimes I feel like um, we know how to rejoice and every place except church, you know, like when you're cheering for your favorite team and they score a touchdown or something like that, we're like, yeah, you know, there's this something about joy that is undignified. It's seriously like exuberant joy. It's just not dignified. You know, I think of the State Farm commercial. I think it's um, within the Kansas City Chiefs locker room. And they tell them how they can bundle home and auto. And they're like, yeah! Dumping Gatorade on their head and all this kind of stuff. Like, exuberant joy is not dignified. 
And King David, when he reflected on everything God had done for him and he celebrated, he danced before the Lord and he said, I will become even more indignified than this. And yet in church, we think we have to be like, yes, thank you, God. You know? Rejoice. I'm not going to dance. But I'm going to practice a little undignified rejoicing, all right? This, I made this list last night. Today, I rejoice in the Lord because I have breath in my lungs and shoes that fit. I have a roof over my head and blankets that keep me warm at night. This morning, I went to my refrigerator and there was food and I ate breakfast. The same breakfast I eat 95% of the time, peanut butter toast. Still tastes good, still satisfies. My car had gas and heat, and it got me here with no accidents. Almost always, I see birds and squirrels and deer on my trip over here. Our bearded dragon, he hibernates for like four or five months every winter, and she goes into a cave and does not move. And every year, we don't know if she's died or not. She moved yesterday. She is still alive. Every winter. Oh, I'm sorry. I already read that one. All right. I rejoice because God gave me two cats that when they snuggle, you just can't help but be like, oh my goodness, they're so cute. I rejoice because my neighbor, two doors down, has the most exuberant light display that I love to look at. Like, I'll just walk down the street and, like, stare at it from across the road like a crazy person. But I love it. And I have no idea how their family sleeps at night. I'm pretty sure it's so bright you can see it from space. But it's awesome. And I can look at it anytime I want. I rejoice because the library lends me books for free. I have probably saved $1,000 at least on my degrees because of the library. And they don't even charge late fees anymore. I have glasses and contacts that help me see. I have a shower and a toilet that flushes most of the time. I can get very annoyed when it doesn't flush, but I need to be more grateful in the 98% of the times that it does. I have a refrigerator, stove, and microwave that makes cooking so much easier than in generations past. I have carpet. Not a dirt floor, not plywood. I have carpet in my living room that feels good on my toes every day. You guys, there are so many things. For us to be thankful if we just open our eyes and see them. I encourage you, go home today. Walk in any room of your house and find 20 things to thank God for. You could probably find 200 things in every room of your house to thank God for. And I thank him that he loves me even though 98% of the time I forget about all of those blessings that he's given me. And he doesn't give up on me. And he stays with me. And when I get off track, he kind of reaches down and goes like this. And whenever I ask, he will give me his wisdom and his joy and his peace. 
So rejoice. This Christmas, spend some time in just undignified rejoicing. The next step, step two, is to replace worry with prayer and thanksgiving. This is the next verse. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which goes beyond all of our standing, it doesn't even make sense. It's so good. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Instead of worrying about how our life isn't turning out the way we hoped for, we present our requests to God with thanksgiving and let his peace come over us. John Mark Comer, he often says, much of the spiritual journey is learning to let go of the life you wish you had to receive the life you have actually been given. Much of the spiritual journey is learning to let go of the life you wish you had to receive the life you've actually been given. It's a longing for all those things that we don't have that keeps us from being content and grateful and joyful for the things we do have. We long for different kinds of relationships. A more romantic spouse or parents who are more supportive or understand us better, you know? And we need to have healthy relationships, but, I mean, no relationships are perfect. And sometimes, especially at holidays, when we gather with our extended families, we just focus on everything they're not instead of rejoicing in the things that they are. We do that with our friends and family. We do that with ourselves, with our own bodies, everything that we're not, without rejoicing in the blessing that our body is. Our jobs. Instead of focusing on what they're not, focus on the good that they are. And when we start to do that, when we come to God, and we can, we can present our requests about the things that are off in life, but we come with thanksgiving and focusing on all the good that there is, that's when God's peace guards our hearts and guards our minds. I just think of um, the goodness of God and his commands that you can see. Like, we so easily doubt he's good, but we look at the things he commands us. And what does he command us to do? To love one another, to rest, to rejoice. God commands you to rejoice. I mean, is that not an indication of how good he is? The final step is to curate your mind stream. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers and sisters... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on these things. That is how we draw close to God, because those are the kinds of things God is all about. And we get splashed with his joy. In his commentary on this passage, John Mark Comer says this, He says, note that Paul's list, you see up there, 
of what we are to fill our imagination with is the exact opposite of the mind stream that is wired into our brain by digital media. Read the news. Scroll social media. It's a barrage of everything that is untrue, ignoble, wicked, impure, ugly, gross, of bad reputation, of poor moral quality, and blameworthy. How are we ever going to fill our minds and our bodies with the joy of Jesus if all we ever think about is the things that humans have made ugly or sad? You can make a strong case that joy is a cultivated way of seeing the world, just like cynicism, sarcasm, and negativity is a cultivated way of seeing the world. It's because of this verse that I stopped watching Law and Order. I used to really enjoy that show. There's been some other shows I've had to drop along the way for that same reason. It's because of this verse that I should probably read less news. <laughs> um, and so as I try to put this into practice in my life, I'll just give you some examples of what it looks like. You don't have to do the same thing, but it just gives you examples. Now, my favorite show is the Kids Baking Championship. If you would have told me when I was in my 20s, that would be my favorite show. I'm like, nah. Like, I was into Alias and 24 and all those kind of shows. Um, but it's it's colorful. It's creative. It's non-stressful. And there's all these adorable kids. And they're learning how to use their gifts and talents. And when one of them is struggling, the others, like, rush to help them. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Another thing I like to watch are highlights from America's Got Talent. <laughs> I don't watch the show where people bomb and they come out and boo them. I just, I just watch the highlights of the good people. <laughs> because there's something inspiring about seeing how God created people and watching them use their gifts. Um, the Jimmy Fallon show. I don't watch the whole show. I can't endorse the whole show. But I watch highlights of the silly games that he plays. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? He has all of these just ridiculous games like where someone has noise canceling headphones on and the other one's trying to mouth words and they got to guess what it is or backionary where they like put paper on someone's back and they draw something and that other person has to try to figure out what it is and draw it on an easel it's just silly and it's good for the soul it reminds me of our christmas party about two weeks ago was it we played family feud and it, I like so much laughter, so much laughter. And it was just good for the soul being around people like my son, Titus, who is, he just knows how to make people laugh and, um, not in the mean sarcastic humor that puts other people down, but just in like the joy of the goofiness and random things in life. Being around him and people like that, listening to Christian praise music helps a lot. Sometimes I have to turn off Christian radio because like every song is like, oh, life is so hard. Help me, Jesus. You know, and I'm like, I don't need to listen to like 20 songs in a row about how life's so hard. But Christian praise music helps. Getting a list of encouraging scripture verses and just like reading one in the morning when you wake up, it helps. But we have to cultivate our mind stream with what is good to have peace and joy. 
And it's not a suggestion. It's actually a command from our God who wants us to have peace and joy. So the bottom line this Christmas, just be a fan of Jesus. Be a fan of Jesus. Be a fan of God and the life that he gave you. More than you're a fan of Christmas cookies and stockings and gifts and cheesy holiday movies and all of that kind of stuff. Take time and be a fan of Jesus Christ. Because he loves you enough to get down on his hands and knees and play with you and be with you. And he's still with you if you'll receive him. I want to leave you with the words of Nehemiah and the um, praise team can come. Let me say this. These are words from God's word. A good command he gives you. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen.